Welcome to Immerse Kingdoms, reading for week three, day 11. Immersed in Samuel, Kings. The books known today as 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings were originally a single work, later divided due to the size limitations of ancient scrolls. In its original unity, Samuel Kings tells the story of the Israelite monarchy from beginning to end. Hebrew tradition tells us that this grand work was put together over time from the records kept by prophets, such as Samuel, Nathan, and Gad, who were God's messengers to the people of Israel. They observed crucial moments in the life of the nation, interpreted events in light of God's covenants, and recorded their insights for posterity. The royal history of Samuel, kings, therefore, is also the story of the word of the Lord, spoken through his prophets in response to the deeds of Israel's rulers. While Samuel, kings, is drawn from the records of various prophets and collected to address the concerns of different historical periods, a single literary structural pattern runs all the way through the work. A repeated formula describes how long the kings reigned, where they reigned, and how old they were when their reigns began. But the two halves of Samuel, kings, also have separate concerns. We can understand the intent of the first half by recalling one of the purposes of the preceding books— to predict and defend the monarchy in Israel. The book of Deuteronomy made provision for the requirements of a future king. The book of Judges reminded Israel how bad things were before they had their first king. The story of Ruth revealed how the descendants of a Moabite could still be God's anointed. The first half of Samuel Kings is similarly a defense of the monarchy. It reminds the people that they asked for a king, even though the prophet Samuel warned them that a king would burden them with taxes and labor. Specifically, it describes the establishment of the monarchy and then explains why God ultimately rejected Saul, the first king. But far more importantly, the first half of Samuel Kings describes the fourth covenant, which gives structure to the ongoing story of the Bible. Israel's second king, David, is a man after God's own heart and God promises that a lasting dynasty of kings will come from David. Israel's future thus comes to be tied up with the destiny of King David and his descendants. The second half of Samuel Kings returns to a focus on the earlier covenant God made with Israel through Moses. That covenant promised them blessings or curses based on whether or not they were faithful to his instructions. The stories of Israel's successive kings demonstrate an increasing failure of the monarchy to lead the people into wholehearted allegiance to God. So the prophets build an extended covenant lawsuit, an indictment of the kings and people, because the people haven't kept their part of the covenant. The nation first splits in two, then the territory of each remaining kingdom diminishes. Both kingdoms, now called Israel and Judah, are eventually conquered by foreign empires. Jerusalem itself is sacked, its walls torn down, and the temple burned to the ground. The people are carried away from the land. In other words, the second half of Samuel Kings is a defense of the exile. Samuel Kings seemingly ends on this note of failure, the failure of Israel, of God's plans for Israel, and indeed of God's plans for the world through Israel. But at the end of the whole work, Jehoiakim, the surviving heir to David's throne is released from prison and treated as an honored vassal by the king of the Babylonian Empire. A thin sliver of hope remains.
The Bible portrays the Lord as the creator of the earth, the true king of all nations. With Israel now in shambles, the question returns to God himself. How will he keep his promise to redeem and restore the world now that his chosen instrument has fallen? The Book of Samuel Kings There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zaph in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zaph, of Ephraim. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children, and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion, because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her, because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once, after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. "'Must you come here drunk?' he demanded. "'Throw away your wine.' "'Oh, no, sir,' she replied. "'I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger.' But I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on their annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, Wait until the boy is weaned. Then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. Stay here for now. 
and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshipped the Lord there. Then Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer for my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. The bow of the mighty is now broken, and those who stumbled are now strong. Those who were well-fed are now starving, and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children, and the woman with many children wastes away. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, placing them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's, and He has set the world in order. He will protect His faithful ones, but the wicked will disappear in darkness. No one will succeed by strength alone. Those who fight against the Lord will be shattered. He thunders against them from heaven. The Lord judges throughout the earth. He gives power to His King. He increases the strength of His Anointed One. Then Elkanah returned home to Ramah without Samuel, and the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, Take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, No, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one she gave to the Lord. 
And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you are doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. One day a man of God came to Eli and gave him this message from the Lord, I revealed myself to your ancestors when they were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. I chose your ancestor Aaron from among all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer sacrifices on my altar, to burn incense, and to wear the priestly vest as he served me. And I assigned the sacrificial offerings to you priests. So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? For you and they have become fat from the best offerings of my people Israel. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, says, I promised that your branch of the tribe of Levi would always be my priests. But I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. The time is coming when I will put an end to your family, so it will no longer serve as my priests. All the members of your family will die before their time. None will reach old age. You will watch with envy as I pour out prosperity on the people of Israel, but no members of your family will ever live out their days. The few not cut off from serving at my altar will survive, but only so their eyes can go blind and their hearts break and their children will die a violent death. And to prove that what I have said will come true, I will cause your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to die on the same day. Then I will raise up a faithful priest who will serve me and do what I desire. I will establish his family, and they will be my priests to my anointed kings forever. Then all of your surviving family will bow before him, begging for money and food. Please, they will say, Give us jobs among the priests, so we will have enough to eat. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. 
Samuel did not yet know the Lord, because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family, from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever, because his sons are blaspheming God, and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle as usual. He was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. This concludes today's Immerse Reading Experience. Thank you for joining us.